Welcome back to the Sports Beat KC podcast. This is Jesse Newell, KU Beat reporter for the Kansas City Star. I'm joined once again this week by columnist extraordinaire and a guy who makes three games in three days look easy, Blair Kirkhoff of the Kansas City Star. Blair, uh, how did you make it to all those games in one weekend? <laughs> um, well, hey, Jesse. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was fun, um, and and uh, and I got to see three victories by by local local teams, which teams that we cover anyway, which was uh, made it uh, made it easier to talk to people after the games as it often does. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of lot of hours in the car on the interstates in in the midwestern part of the country, going east, uh, and uh, and not as much sleep as I'd like. But it was really the only way to get it done. I did the the flights didn't work out the way I needed them to, and uh, but uh, but it was fun to do, and and uh, and. and it, I'll tell you what, it made for, it, you, you kind of go on adrenaline for, for a couple of days, that third day driving back from Pittsburgh uh, Monday uh, was a little uh, little rough. Yeah, the adrenaline runs out then. So yeah, you covered a Royals game on Friday night, for those people that don't know, drove to, I guess it's West Lafayette, Indiana, for the Purdue-Missouri yep. game, and then continued the drive, uh, I guess, early the next morning to get to Pittsburgh for the Chiefs game, and then drove back the next day? Yeah, yeah. After the Steelers, we got out of Pittsburgh about nine o'clock after doing our Facebook Live, and I ended up driving it for about two and a half, three hours to try to get a head start on the next day. So I got to Columbus, Ohio, and 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 almost I was in Columbus, and I didn't realize it until the next morning. You know, Urban Meyer was was giving his uh, was about to do his uh, his, his another one of his uh, explanations press conferences. <laughs> um, I was about fifteen miles from the campus, and I thought about driving over there for that, but I. I thought, you know what? I've, I've had enough event coverage here for the last three days. I think I'm just going to point point the car west and and head home. It's time to get home for sure. Well, and and we were talking, yeah. Blair. You were able to in one of um, the car travels you had. List, you were able to listen to some of KU's game and. Wow, uh, we were talking about this. A lot of times this time of year, we're looking for reasons to not talk about KU football or look looking for reasons to talk about KU basketball. KU football is 2-1. Uh, they have a 55-14 to victory over Rutgers uh, this past week. We're going to look ahead here in a minute to talk about the Baylor game upcoming. But, I mean, let's talk big picture right now, Blair, for this program. You can't really call them the worst Power 5 program out there anymore. Uh, they took care of a Power 5 program by 41 points this past week. And... All of a sudden, after a catastrophic first week against Nickel State, uh, things are looking pretty good for for KU. David Beatty, the coaching staff, everyone above, everyone listed above, and it's crazy kind of how things change and the perspective can change here in a couple weeks. Well, what a good feeling there must be in those uh, in the hallways of the football program and the, uh, the football offices in the locker room. Um, you know, just walking around campus for. For these guys, but a you know something that hasn't been felt by football players in almost a decade at, at, at KU. So I know we mentioned it last week when we talked about we were talking about the the win over um, over Central Michigan uh, that it was uh, it was you felt great for the players who hadn't experienced anything like that. And now I, I was you know with Kansas we're we're so unaccustomed to this the the, the type of game that they won on on uh, Saturday that I, I didn't know how they would react coming off of breaking the, 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 the big road losing streak. I Was it too much? Would they be overwhelmed by it? And it turns out, um, they, they based on the result, they, they handled it perfectly. Um, they, they, they gained confidence from it. They, they didn't lose attention or focus. They watched film. They did everything they were supposed to do, and then they took it to an opponent that we 
that was a you know uh, not favored. Kansas was a slight favorite this game, but in the preseason we would have thought maybe Rutgers would have been favored. Yep. Um, and 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 be um, you know another FBS opponent. Uh, I don't care if Rutgers is the worst team in the Big Ten. They're they're an FBS opponent. They're a Power Five school, and um, Kansas and you know lost to an FCS school earlier this year. So. Uh, they could not have reacted better to their, you know, to the to the win of the previous week. And I, I got to think confidence is at an all time high at KU. And and now um, we'll see where it goes from here. I, it's, you know, the win the previous week wasn't a fluke. And and maybe, dare dare it be said, this is not a bad football team. Yeah. Well, here's here's the reality. I think with KU football, and it's. It's bright for a reason, and it's not as bright as you might think for a reason. The one thing, and I wrote about this last week, Blair, the one thing I think that has to be talked about that is the thing that just hits you over the head with this Kansas football team is the defense has made a monumental jump this year. Uh, They brought in some players. They added some depth to the secondary. They got Daniel Wise and Joe Deneen back. But what they've done over the first three games and especially the last two, has been phenomenal. I mean, they have forced three and outs. They have forced turnovers. They have been dominant. They have been overwhelming. There haven't been openings in the run game. With run fits, there have not been openings in the pass game deep down the field. The defense is what's lifted this team up. That's encouraging. Yet, it's also, if you're a Kansas fan, you have to look at this through the normal glasses and not just the rosy glasses and say, Every team you face isn't going to turn it over six times a game. And the last two games, KU has been able to force six turnovers each game. So there's good news and there's bad news. I broke down a play today uh, on a blog at Kansas.com. People want to check it out. It's Mike Lee's pick six. It actually ended up as uh, the number six play on SportsCenter's top ten, which is really impressive on a day of college football, in the middle of college football season. Wow. For a KU play to end up on the top ten, I mean, you're talking about Lots and lots of things going on on a Saturday, a college football Saturday, and MLB and MLS and everything else you want to talk about. You know, he made a bunch of tacklers miss, uh, getting a 31-yard interception return. But the breakdown of the play when I talked to an assistant, Division One assistant coach I always talked to to kind of get some insight on this was, KU really ran an exotic sub package with it. You know, they put a rushing in the game, and instead of him rushing, they put him out in coverage, and that left... KU's Mike Lee is kind of a robber type where he kind of just kind of gets to stand in the middle of the field and and play center field, and he ended up getting the interception. But the bottom line is they tricked a young quarterback in Rutgers. They're doing some things that are creative and interesting and something they might not have been able to do a year ago because they didn't have the guys coming back with experience. And the coach I talked to said, look, these can get you know really complicated. These are things you can do that are really tricky and great as a defense, but the problem is if you spend too much time with that, you don't get your base defense down. And all of a sudden, you'd have nothing to rely upon. So Kansas, with so many guys returning, with so many players emerging and stepping up, I think what's happened is Clint Bowen now has faith in his guys that they know the groundwork of what he wants to do. So now he can get a little fancier. Now he can do some additional things, and those additional things have caused some major problems with with a couple of bad quarterbacks in the last two weeks. So when you're looking so, at yeah. when you're looking at this, it's positive KU has these, has these takeaways, and it's positive that they've been plus – 12 on turnover margin, four more than any other FBS team out there. Is that going to continue? No, but yet the defense still as a whole, the way they've been able to force three and outs, the way they've been able to creatively scheme to get some of these turnovers, that is what can happen moving forward. Not the six turnovers a game, but maybe one or two turnovers a game, plus the three and outs, plus the defense getting off the field. That's what you have to be encouraged about if you're a KU football fan. Well, and also not giving it away as well. I yes. mean, if there's 
you know, the turnover margins, it's a, it's a two pronged stat. It's takeaway and giveaway. So, um, and, and Kansas isn't, isn't doing that. Um, you're right. That's a good point. And, and, and so it's allowing Clint Bowen to be a little bit more, uh, open up a defensive playbook that he might not have been able to, to do in, in previous years. And that's encouraging, absolutely encouraging to hear. That's what, that's what other programs get to do. You know, why doesn't Kansas get to do it? Because they never had the numbers to, to, to do it, to get it done. And, and, and now that that's not the case. Um, it's, so how does it, how does that apply going forward? You're right. Uh, turnovers, and that's something that I've you know I've learned from the Phil Steele yearbooks over the years. Turnovers equal turnarounds. Yep. Uh, um, and they they're absolutely true. Uh, teams that uh, that that have not gotten many takeaways the previous year and start getting them that that does turn around a season and uh, and then the following season it's not a you can coach your guys. I've heard David Beatty talking about this coaching. You know, even having their players fall on incomplete passes, things like that, just getting into a mindset of of, of getting the football on the on the defensive side, and and it's great that they're teaching that, and it's an emphasis, and and it's obviously paying off for them. But you just can't count on it week to week, especially as the the level of opposition improves. So there have to be other ways, to, other avenues to to win a football game, and that begins this week for for Kansas as. Uh, you know, Baylor obviously, you know, not what Baylor was a years ago. You know, one and eleven last year, but still, I think a step, it's beginning to take the step up from, uh, from every every team that Kansas played in the non-conference, um, and 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 now it's it's just it's just a different level of of play, and and so Kansas becomes I, I really do think this a, a real national curiosity, um, not just a regional curiosity, but a national curiosity. And uh, and I think there's a lot of people interested in, in what, what Kansas is about and how they're going to come out and play against a, a Baylor team that, at least in the preseason, few would have believed the Jayhawks had a chance to, to defeat. Yeah, a lot of different points to hit on there, Blair. Number one, you talked about Baylor being 1-11 last year. Well, the one was Kansas and Lawrence, you know, 38-9 to and a dominating performance made KU look like the much, much uh, inferior team in that one. You talk about the national intrigue. Absolutely has happened. Uh, I think, who was it? Uh, Kirk Herbstreet tweeted out KU as his number two team of the week a week ago, and who knew that Kirk <laughs> Herbstreet knew that Kansas football existed? Um, something else we have to at least hit upon. Pro, Pro Football Focus put three KU players on their national offensive and defensive players of the week this past week, including Puka Williams, the running back, who right now, as we sit here, Blair, through one-fourth of the regular season college football, is the number one rated running back in the nation, according to Pro Football Focus, which grades every single play of every single FBS player. Uh, this is, I mean, this is something like, I'm, I'm sitting down for this because this is something that doesn't happen. We're not talking about KU having a top 25 player, which would be impressive at his position, or a top 10 player, which would be impressive at his position. We're talking about KU having the number one overall player at running back. And I'm sorry, if this continues, if you are the number one rated player at running back, I know usually you want the team to win and have a successful record. If that sort of play continues from Puka Williams, he's going to end up on Heisman discussions. And this, again, KU football <laughs> and Heisman are things that we do not put together, Blair. So I agree with no. you that there is some national intrigue with this Kansas team right now, especially after the last two weeks. And instead of becoming a laughing stock, they've kind of flipped that narrative, and, and people are interested in what, what's going to happen next. 
Well, and it also allows uh, Peyton Bender uh, an opportunity to, you know, to, to be uh, just to, for the offense to be a more diverse and for Bender to be a more effective quarterback when the running game is uh, is this successful. But let me let me just say the being rated by Pro Football Focus is no small thing. I mean, it, we can we can talk about um, how. Uh, how other writers, you know, craft stories about Kansas and what other, you know, other journalists are saying, but pro football focus does the, they really do put in the the work on this. Uh, They're their team and and breaking down film. And yeah, we do have to take into account the the, the level of of competition. It's not what, uh, you know, it's not what every, every team in the country is playing right now. The Kansas, even though they're two FBS programs back to back, they were not, you know, they're, they're, they're not powerful. I, I doubt either one of them becomes full eligible this year. Nevertheless, um, to have three people on their team is, you know, on, on their team of the week is based on analysis and film breakdown, and that's that's tremendous for Kansas to have. To have these guys are getting coached and taking the coaching and uh, and, and, and 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 utilizing it and and it performing and performed well in in the games and uh, and, and and it's. I didn't expect it. I just didn't expect this to happen. It's not, uh, um, you know, if only before the season, Kansas would be two and one games. I might've said, yeah, I can buy that. Sure. I, I see that, but not this way, you know, not this way. And yeah, we can, we can talk about how, how they should be three and oh, but, but they're two and one and feeling very good about themselves. Absolutely. So let's talk about this Baylor matchup a little bit, Blair. Uh, like you said, Baylor coming off a loss to Duke this past week, uh, probably not feeling good about itself, which honestly, that's kind of what KU's, what's happened to KU in this last two opponents now. We, you know, uh, we talked about last week, Rutgers coming off the huge loss to Ohio State. Baylor should not be feeling too great about itself coming into this game. However, uh, and this is the however I'm always going to get to, Waco has just been a place of nightmares for Kansas lately. And when you go back to the matchup last year in Lawrence, you combine that with it. Uh, David Beatty's teams have not performed well against Baylor. I put it in my preview story that the three games he's played against Baylor, KU has lost 66-7, 49-7, and 38-9. And if you go back to the last four games in Waco that KU's played, they've been outscored, you ready for this, 205-42. to So uh, I, I guess... Take me to what you see in this matchup, Blair. I, the only thing I will say about it is, if you're looking just preseason, what we thought about these two teams before the year started, Baylor was ninth in the preseason poll, KU was 10th. I know this is still a game being played on the road, but uh, if you're Kansas, it, it kind of is the reverse. It's the opposite uh, of starting off with an Oklahoma or something like that. This is going to be one of the more winnable games on the Big 12 schedule compared to some of the other games out there. So I guess how do you see this one, and how do you see KU matching up against the Bears? Yeah, so based on perception, and that's all preseason polls are. Uh, based on perception, this is, you know, this this would be one of Kansas's victory up. Op- you know, preseason. You know, as we were looking at Kansas the preseason, one of their opportunities for victory, and uh, and, and certainly the way the the the, you know, the non conference schedule has played out, there's uh, that reinforces the idea that this becomes one of the better opportunities for a conference victory for for kansas and and man to win one on the road good gosh it's uh uh that that would be that would be a tremendous step for 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 david Beatty. i you know with baylor it's funny how kansas over the years has matched up much better against tcu right uh and kansas state than than baylor even though you can make a case that those three programs have been somewhat you know 
equal over you know in, in, in you know, overall records in the last previous four or five years. Speed, um, speed, it, speed, speed, speed. Yeah, absolutely. And and so now this Kansas team just seems better equipped to match up against against Baylor. Um, even you know it's not the Arp Riles Baylor, it's the Matt Riles, but. Uh, but even so, they're, they're, they have recruited great athletes down there. Matt Rule's done a really nice job recruiting based on the rankings, but it hasn't translated into results yet at Baylor. Um, one in eleven last year, as you mentioned, and then uh, and then kind of got handled by Duke, uh, scoreless in the first half. And Duke will kind of come back by you know, attempt by by, uh, by by Baylor, but it falls short. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of Baylor. Uh, Charlie Brewer, the quarterback there. Um, and actually, I think they used two quarterbacks uh, against uh, against Duke last week. So I, I, I'm not. I don't know what Baylor knows what to make of them. I was listening to that game as well to Indiana last week, and um, and, and it, you know, there, there's. There, I know John Morris, their play-by-play guy. He was kind of at a loss to explain what was going on and, and the lack of success Baylor was having in the first half of uh, of that game. It's. It's a little bit of a you know a little bit of a mystery what's going on with with the Bears and it takes a little bit longer for for Matt Rule to to get it done there and it's he's trying to do it in a little bit different way uh, they still recruit the great athletes that are available and that you know in that part of the country that everybody in the Big Twelve wants to get but uh, but it's not the same offense that that we saw under Art Bryles that was so you know so prolific and and difficult to defend I I don't know I think I think you know, with a, with a good defense that you you can slow the game down, you can slow Baylor down, and with a running game that uh, that we've seen now for two weeks, and and you mentioned Puka Williams earlier, we know he's eligible for this week, so that's that's a good sign, right? Uh, um, he'll he'll be suited up and playing in this game. So I I absolutely give Kansas a better chance in this game than I did three weeks ago. Um, I don't know if I'm going to pick him to win or not, but I I, I certainly. You know, my, my my feeling about Kansas in games like this that, that that's not Oklahoma or West Virginia right now. Uh, I, I I I'm two weeks is enough to convince me that it's time to start thinking differently about this Kansas team. We will see, Blair. That that's that's encouraging for KU fans. I you know I guess I'm I am just totally. Uh, I, what's the word? Ruined. I just in my head I keep seeing Josh Gordon getting a screen pass. <laughs> out on the six-yard line and running straight without making a, a move. No moves, just running straight down the sideline, 94 yards against KU. And very famously, Stephen Johnson, one of the greatest guys that, that has ever come through KU, just a great person, great person to talk to after the game. You know, KU got beat down by Baylor one year, and we asked him about it afterwards. You know, what did you see? What did you think? And he just said, I want to know what they're feeding those guys. I want to know where these guys come from. And I, it, those things just never leave your head that the times I've gone down to cover KU and Waco, that those are the type of quotes and types of plays that happen, that KU just gets run out of the building. And so maybe that's just me putting too much on recent history, but I, I think I'm going to pick K, or Baylor to, uh, to win this one rather easily just because of uh, KU has won one in a row on the road, which is good for them. But I, I still – it's just been a place – that they've struggled so badly in recent years. And before the year, I probably would have said Baylor was about a two-touchdown favorite, and now that it's down to like seven and a half, I'm thinking, ooh, maybe maybe we've swung a little bit too far in what we think that KU and Baylor are, and I don't expect the turnovers uh, to happen at the same rate that they have against inferior opponents. So I'm going to pick Baylor big in this one, but I 
listen, if, if Cave's defense comes up and shows up in this one, gets the three and outs that they've been doing, and shows that it can match up with speed better than it has in past years, then I think we'll learn something very major about this Kansas team coming up here in Week 4. Well, the, the opponent winning big is the one result that hasn't happened with Kansas so far this year, right? Um, we've had Kansas losing close, Kansas winning big twice. Um, Kansas losing big hasn't uh, has been off the board so far this year. Hey, let me run a little theory by you real quick. I, I think you know we, we've, we've talked about the Baylor athletes. I think one of the reasons that the Big 12 took a dip in, in national esteem and, and on the field fortunes uh, in the last, I don't know, six, seven, since maybe the decade, is because of the rise of Baylor and TCU and Texas A&M going into the SEC. You just had more coaches getting great Texas athletes than just Texas and Oklahoma, which wasn't the case when the Big 12 started and then the decade of the 2000s. It seemed like every year the, the Texas OU game was for the BC, you know, the, would, would put a, a BC, you know, that winner would go to the BCS championship game. Um, and then that stopped, and it stopped about the time that uh, you know, the Colt McCoy Texas team and Sam Bradford Oklahoma teams moved on, and uh, Baylor started getting good with RG3, and, and Texas uh, TCU got in Prince and A&M left to bring in to go to the SEC and bring those guys into the state to recruit, and uh, and I, I think we're sort of still there in, in some ways. Look at what you know the Texas fortunes that really haven't reversed and. Um, Oklahoma's gotten it back a little bit, but, uh, uh, but I, I think it's the athletes that you see at Baylor and TCU and at, at Texas A&M have had an impact on the Big 12 in different ways. And, uh, and you're right, when you see Baylor play and you saw them play in their, you know, in the Josh Gordon and, and RG3 and, and, uh, and, and even teams after that, they were, you never saw those guys at Baylor before, but you saw them, you know, in the, uh, in the year that Baylor, you know, won and tied for the Big 12 championship. Yeah, and again, speaking with people that know Baylor better than me, too, it seems like they still have some of that sort of speed, that sort of receiver talent, and that might never run dry at Baylor. But um, I just remember the years when they were really, really good, too. We were talking about their offensive linemen. We were saying, man, look at these linemen they have in here. Along with that, we're not talking about them enough. It seems like that's kind of the part that's reverted back, that if KU is going to be able to get this Baylor team, they're going to have to take advantage of what's been a deficiency, at least so far through three games for Baylor, that they haven't been able to get it out always to their, their speed and their talent on the outside because they haven't had any time to throw the ball, and some of those big guys up front maybe have not been as what they thought they were going to be going into the season. There you go. All right, Blair, we're going to wrap the Sports BKC podcast episode up there. For Blair, this is Jesse. Thanks for checking it out, and be sure to tune in for another episode next week.